several weeks ago, a friend of mine had called and we were just catching up. We hadn't talked forever. And she said, I've been listening to your podcast. And I mean, it's good, but, and there was absolutely like a hint of, it's not that good. (laughs) And she said, but can I offer you some constructive criticism? And I thought, I, I know I don't actually want any criticism whatsoever, not constructive, not negative. I don't need criticism at this early stage in the game, but I know you're going to give it to me. So you know what? Why not? Why not? And she mentioned that I need to stop uh, sort of projecting my being uncomfortable with sex onto this huge platform, quote unquote, huge platform I have. And I need to stop talking about how yucky sex is and, and boners. And I thought to myself, what is she listening to? Because for one, I don't think I've ever used the word boner on here, <laughs> nor do I on a regular basis. For two, my platform is just as huge as any and everybody else's. My platform is my recording device and uh social media the internet i think it's the same platform that anybody has and my experience with sex is not one of of comfort i am raising two special needs teenagers that is sex is like the least comfortable thing going on i'm a middle-aged woman raising two special needs teenagers it doesn't really get any more uncomfortable than sex in those two categories of life and truthfully that wasn't constructive criticism. As far as I know, by definition, constructive criticism is offering somebody advice on how to make something better that maybe they're doing, but you do it constructively. You don't just tell them what they're doing sucks, basically. <laughs> they need to they need to lie through their teeth. My podcast is about my stories. She's a very sexual person. I have loved sex. I've enjoyed having it. I've had it. <laughs> That's probably a common question for many that only ever see me with my kids. My God, has she only done it twice? (laughs) It's not my comfort zone. Sex has never been my comfort zone. And I can't get on here and tell everybody to be sex positive and sexy positive because that would be completely uncomfortable for me. I don't know if it's my age or if it's just what sex was, my experience. I've had great sex. I've had really not great sex. I've had interesting sexual encounters. I've had all kinds of different types of sex. Okay, that sounded totally wrong. But truth be known, for me to get on and promote feeling sexy and what a great thing sex is, that's, that's, I can't do that. I would feel very, very strange. And that's not the place or position I'm in in my life. I'm Nikki Lynn Chase, and this is my podcast, Adult Chicken, and it's about navigating life's unexpected. This is my journey. These are my stories about being a mom to two special needs kids. It was so funny to think that she thought I had this great position in in the universe and with my platform as far as having a podcast to promote sex and just how great it is as a woman and all of these things. And in my head, when any... When anybody criticizes me, at least, I I get stuck on it. I'm like, what what did I say to make her think I think sex is yucky? And I know I don't use the word boner. I might use the word woody, but I don't think I've talked about a lot of those (laughs) on any of these episodes. I was kind of offended. And I questioned myself and I thought, "Mm -mm. 
it would be weird if I got on here and talked about how sexual I am and this, that, and the other. That wouldn't be me. And now at this time in my life where I'm raising two special needs teenagers, raising teenagers anyway is awkward when it comes down to sex. First of all, I personally don't want to know anything about my kid and those thoughts even that go on their head, let alone the act in itself. With my two kids, I've had to be extremely careful because I don't know how we're connecting dots or what we have the capacity to understand. I think I did mention it. I had ordered years ago a a few books, and this is with the advice of my therapist and the kids, a, a doctor of the kids. And I said, not quite sure how I handled this experience and a lot of talking to other parents. And what I came up with is that let them be comfortable asking you questions, but maybe don't divulge a lot of information. And I think that's the fairest and the best approach. At least that's the working recipe. And I thought about it. And I thought about my sexual history. I thought, what is what is the deal? I don't really want to know what other people are doing sexually. I just, it makes me feel strange. And yeah, I've had sex. I mean, I'd say obviously, but I know there are other ways to achieve the goal of having children, but I did have it. I had it more than twice, as a matter of fact. I've had a lot of it, and I've had interesting sex. I've had great sex. I've had terrible sex. I've had sex I choose to forget I ever had. Fortunately, that amnesia I've talked about in past episodes, it's kicked in many a times with encounters I've had, and thank God for that. I appreciate that immensely. I'm not comfortable with the topic. But I'm going to talk about it because I think I do have a platform, as we all do. And so I'm going to share mine. And I'm going to do this sort of to walk myself through (laughs) the valley of sexual encounters. As I was gearing up to do this podcast, and I thought, what? Where did this all begin? Where did the uncomfortable start? And I, I remember walking in on my parents, and I don't think that's a unique experience. And I think that's one that kind of scars you. for life. And it was extremely strange in, in our house because my parents hated each other. Again, I've mentioned that many a times. My parents hated each other. And I'll never forget one night when I was a kid, I walked in and they were having sex. And and I couldn't quite wrap my head around what the hell they were doing. Are they fighting? They're wrestling around? And then fast forward to when my parents got divorced And my mom had started drinking and she had some very questionable boyfriends. So I remember my very best friend and I thought it would be fun to spy on my mom. And this is a point where she was dating this, he looked like a cartoon, everything about him was like a cartoon character, like a cartoon character cowboy type. I can't even explain it, but he was just a drunk weird man and we thought it would be fun to sneak into my house we were spending the night at hers I left the door unlocked we staged this whole thing where at that time we had landlines and and my brother and I had our own landline and I called my mom made her think we were at my friend's house and then we decided to spy on her hot date with the cartoon character and I heard noises and things I never ever 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 want to hear again and I wanted to unhear for the entire rest of my life (laughs) yet I signed myself up for that and of course back in the day and age we didn't have 
access to sex. So it was whatever somebody told you or whatever you learned along the way. You know, there were the advanced kids or the kids whose parents paid for, you know, porn. I essentially, Playboy Station was, was <laughs> the porn. Again, I've mentioned that as well. But the problem was it was kind of no, no, tisk tisk for shame. Like today, people are advanced. They have more access to it. And we did not. And for me, it was like this taboo, shameful thing. And I was so behind with everybody else. I didn't know how things work. No one ever pulled me aside and really talked about it. So I got my information the best I could and the way I kind of wanted to, the way I creatively navigated acquiring an education in sex. (laughs) So one of the ways I did that was a friend and I had, you know, I thought by high school, I'd kind of started to understand what went on. And I had some friends that were way more advanced than most of my friends, all of my friends, never mind. Everybody I knew was way more advanced than I was. But another friend of mine who also had not had sex by that point, we're in high school and we decide we make a pact. We're going to get boyfriends and we're going to have sex with them this one summer. I don't remember if we were going into our junior or senior year, but that was going to be the the magical summer. And we both went to Planned Parenthood to get on the pill because, I mean, the magic was going to happen and we wanted to be safe. And you didn't have to ask your parents. And I go in there and I'm sitting in a room and they I said, I want, I'm here, I want to get on the pill. And they said, okay, when was your last period? And I said, oh, I haven't had that yet. And I'll never forget the, the, the doctor's face looked at me like, oh, you know, I would suggest you wait. Like literally realizing I had no idea how anything worked. And so I didn't have sex that summer. And I waited and then learned a little bit more. I got a little more education that year and then decided it was time. (laughs) But it was so embarrassing. And and I thought, I am so stupid. I don't know what's going on. And then I got my first boyfriend who I had sex with. And that was not a magical experience by any means. That was not. That was, you know, you picture the perfect myth of what your first time is going to be like. And it's nothing like that. It, it's absolutely, it kind of emulates American pie a lot more so than, than that experience. It was nothing like I had imagined it to be. So moving forward, that boyfriend led right into the person that I married. I had been in two relationships by the time I left Colorado, two relationships. That was it. And then after a year in, in Washington and I get to California and I finally have a couple breaks from the kids. I'm not married. I have breaks, for, very short ones. And thank God, because I made very poor choices. <laughs> that, that was the increment of time. It was kind of like Nikki's gone wild. Nikki gets to California. Nikki has a few breaks and I went nuts. And it was just... I had felt like I I had the pressure of, I've only got maybe a night off from my kids, so I'm going to make that count. And I would go out and I felt like I didn't have rules. I felt like I wasn't going to get in trouble with anybody. I was just going to do whatever I felt like doing. I played college 
when I got to California and my top would come off and I would be dancing and the dancing was nothing new. The top coming off and not caring and just being free to do whatever I wanted, that was a brand spanking new experience for me. And that's when I started really sort of coming to my own, being comfortable with being sort of a sexual person because I really just didn't care. It was just, whoa, wait, here we go. And at that time, phones were obviously, they had advanced and you could take pictures of yourself. And I was on that. I was all over that. I'm very glad OnlyFans didn't exist until after that little phase in my life because, oh, I would have signed myself up for only, I did not care what anybody saw. The only time it really mattered was there was a time we were in a taxi and I was flashing. I got really into the flashing of my chest. I think I was suppressed when I had gone, I'd taken that trip to Mardi Gras in, in college. And I remember I didn't take, I was so shy and I wouldn't take my, my top off for the beads, but I'd gotten them anyway. And I thought, I don't, I literally don't have a care in the world. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a husband. I do not care. Anybody can see these things. You want to see them world? Here they are. And I was getting pretty good kind of with selfies before selfies were a thing. And I would text them, you know, I'd meet somebody and, oh, we, here you go. And I accidentally sent them to my dad. I accidentally text my dad. I am notorious for texting the wrong person. And at that time, I thought you need to be really careful about double checking the phone number that you you text because that can't happen again. So kind of attached to each and every experience, there was something embarrassing enough that happened that made me almost feel a smidge bit ashamed of what I was doing, rightfully so. So after the the Nikki's Gone Wild experience or phase of my life. There were no more breaks from my kids. There were no evenings of just letting loose and, and being free. So we were just always together. And then it was just this, okay, we're in a new phase of our lives and I need to figure out how we're going to just survive. And all of a sudden, a, a few years went by. And I swear I didn't even know how many. Again, my math skills, I will bring that up every time because they are so poor that I had just, me and time management, I don't have any. So I had no idea. I didn't know if it had been two years or four years. I had no idea how long it had been, but I had practiced abstinence unintentionally. I just didn't have sex for years. And it was funny because I thought, does this make me a newfound virgin or a newborn virgin or does this kind of take me backwards that's kind of cool at my age I mean I really didn't know if that was kind of a thing kind of told myself that after having some of those uh encounters I'd had I wanted to pretend that that was a thing that I could that it kind of erased some my entire sexual history but I don't think that's actually a thing anyway I decided after a few years, let's just say a few, I had I had at this point stopped drinking and I thought, ah, I am I am too young not to get to experience that part of my life. I really did enjoy it when I was having it and with with most <laughs> I I need to revisit that. But it was weird because I wasn't 
drinking at the time. So there was no, let's have a couple glasses of wine to calm those, you know, first, like the nerves down, the inhibitions and all of that. Nothing took it down. And the, the first time I had it after not for so long was <laughs> some weird time of the day because the kids were at school. And I thought it, it can only go up from here, pun intended. <laughs> Jeez. Well, where we live, everybody's in very close proximity, like very, very close. Homes are very, very close together and wanted to try again. So I had some more and I'll be damned. Here I was in my forties, single, and some neighbors contacted my landlord they had just moved in some they were new tenants and they had just moved in and they let my landlord know that there were noises and I was absolutely mortified I could not believe here I was being told on for having sex for the first time in what had to have been years and I could just not believe it and I was dying. And there again, it brought me sort of the shame factor, the embarrassment. And then I was like, fuck this. I am in my 40s and I am single. And if I want to have sex, I'm going to have sex. So boom, I did it again. Then there's a knock. There's a knock on my door, my bedroom door. <laughs> uh, it's my kids. Mommy, mommy, are you okay? Are you crying? Again, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like a terrible person. I'm a terrible mommy. And then that flash of my parents having sex. Only my kids weren't aware of what I was doing. And I lived in the home with my parents. <laughs> my poor kids, they thought something terrible was happening to me. And I was completely mortified for so many reasons. And then it took a lot of the fun out of having sex when it became something that I was worried about or, oh my gosh, the neighbors. So when that friend of mine offered me the constructive criticism about how I need to express on my platform the beauty of sexual encounters and sexuality and embrace it, I thought, she's got a point. And that's great for her. Go for it. You do you. You express the heck out of it. You just... You show your sexuality off to the universe. For me, I'm in a very, very different position. I am not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with the conversation or conversations I've had to have or address when I've had sex and my kids have busted me. <laughs> or when my I get a call from my landlord and I need to sort of ex feel like I need to explain myself, which she certainly, we had a good laugh about it. I didn't have to explain myself, but I felt like I was in trouble. I don't have that same element of comfort. I have this awkward situation and there's nothing more awkward again than two teenagers, let alone special needs teenagers who I don't know what their capacity is to understand sex and be their sex educator, if you will. So today's special edition is a story about sort of on topic because more recently the kids were gifted a couple of Amazon gift cards for Christmas and they were pretty, they had a pretty high dollar, but the kids don't really understand money. 
sex and money. We're, <laughs> it's, it's a real yard sale of an education here with the sex and monies. And I said, you guys, I want you to really think about what you want to use your gift card for. Like, don't just buy something you're gonna be into for a couple of minutes. So in the last year, the kids have gotten to hang out with a couple of friends of ours who have babies and they love babies. And so Sandler, we're in the car and he said, mommy, I know what I want to do with my Amazon gift card. I want to get one of those babies like Bootsy has, had. And I said, like a, like one of those real live looking baby dolls? And he said, yeah. And I said, why? Like, what are you going to do with that? Bootsy always had, I would invest in these dolls just living vicariously through her because when I was a kid, I always wanted a baby doll that looked and felt real and now they make them they have the ability with silicone I mean these things are scary I'm like that was okay when Bootsy carried it around but you're a 15 year old boy and he said yeah but I that's what I want and I didn't want to make him feel uh judged or uncomfortable but I was judging the shit out of him and thinking Mike you we can't and then Bootsy jumped on the train and said, I want a new one too. That's what I want. So both of them are going on Amazon and they don't have access to purchase anything on Amazon. But I'm sitting there going, I've got to come up with an, a reason they can't get those. You know, here I've told them, think really hard for days. And now we're five days into the same. They both want this reborn doll. And I'm thinking, Bootsy, you can't. You're 19 now. I can't have you carrying around a, a baby doll. And I gave up on really caring what people think when we're out in public for the most part. I mean, I don't want people in the neighborhood to hear what goes on in my bedroom. And I don't want people to pass judgment, but they're going to anyway. And we've always been the, the three amigos that absolutely have judgment passed on us wherever we go. We have a yard sale look about us that just kind of begs the question of, huh, what is up with them? And I just feared that if my kids carry baby dolls around, they're going to be, I mean, it's scary. They're, uh, they're concerningly realistic. Like they look crazy real. And now that my kids are grown up, I mean, it was okay when it was Chucky, even though that terrified people kind of warm people up to our strangeness at the grocery store by bring a, bringing a Chucky doll. And Bootsy had these realistic looking baby dolls when she was younger that she took everywhere. And maybe a, a time or two, I, I took one out with me when I was Nikki gone, gone wild during that phase of my life. And just to kind of shock value people and it was a terrible prank in hindsight, but it was fun at the time. <laughs> it was very alarming. People didn't get their phones out quite as often as they do now to record everything. So fortunately, I think I probably saved myself from getting into trouble with that or a lot of things. But as much as I say I don't care what people think, there is that element of I'd like to not bring on any more attention than we already do with our, our differences. I think we've, we've got that dialed in. It's, it, it is a known thing, especially in our community. I think we still keep the grocery stores wondering, but I was trying to talk the kids out of it. And Sandler was really just not understanding. Why are you trying to talk me out of it? And he's also just in addition to, to paint the perfect picture. Sandler had received from a friend of ours a Peanuts gang 
and they're not even into the peanuts really i don't think they've watched an entire movie even though they're only 25 minutes long charlie brown's thanksgiving but she gave them this sweatshirt and it's got the entire peanuts gang across the front of it and it's white and he will not wear sweatshirts he will not he will only wear short sleeve shirts but he fell in love with this sweatshirt and he wants to wear it every day since he's gotten it got it in november and i keep looking at it and it's got peppermint patty on it and that's who he looks exactly like and so just because it's a cruel world i was trying to explain to him in a not so cruel way you can't be the 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 15 and a half year old guy that wears a peanuts gang sweatshirt and carries around a very realistic baby doll i mean it's just we just went through several months of cruel moments in time and i need to be and i am i am glad that didn't affect him to the point where he, it raised any flags i'm glad somehow some way we got through kids being bullies and mean and nasty more recently and any kind of came out unscathed but there is no connecting the dots and i don't want also bringing in a baby doll for the question to be can we get a real one you know there those questions rise i don't i'm not ready to explain that i don't want to explain it i know it'll happen but i'm not quite ready for that right now i'm dealing with testosterone injections i'm dealing with whatever we're navigating through now i'm not quite ready for that one no sorry so they were just both adamant and they couldn't stop looking up which doll they're going to get and I'm just thinking oh my god so he's got it was freezing it's been really cold and he's got his sweatshirt on the peanuts gang one that he did I mean I have started to hide it and then he finds it he inevitably finds it no matter what I put it actually in the laundry baskets that I keep way up high because Kevin the dog eats all of the underwear and socks that are in the dirty clothes so one day he comes out of my room and I knew it was in there and I'd put it under some other stuff so he couldn't find it and here comes the sweatshirt and I'm just watching my kid the epitome of confusion <laughs> and I know people are like that with Sandler is, is he a girl is he gets called she all the time he doesn't correct anybody he doesn't care he doesn't care what people think he is he's got the most pure I don't care both of them do attitude and it's a beautiful thing and of course I want to embrace that but I don't want him to be the kid that's out in public carrying around a baby doll at age 15 and a half it just begs more questions than I want the looks of people dying to know you know I just we draw enough attention. So as I'm talk, trying my hardest to talk him out, we had such a, a moment of, I don't know, it might have even been divine intervention. We go to Trader Joe's and we see this family and it's a mom with two girls and there's a baby and the girls look like I can't, I'm not a good, I would not be good at the, at the carnival guessing age, but they look like they're probably maybe 11, but you know, they're, they're tall. They, I have no idea. I don't know if they're 11 or 16, but they've got one of these new reborn dolls. But at first I think it's a baby. I think it's the mom's baby. I didn't want to be rude and stare, but I'm trying to figure out like, cause the girls got this 
this baby and it kind of holding it by its leg and kind of flipping it around. The mother instinct to me is like concerned for this baby's welfare. But then I'm like, wait a minute, that's a, that's a reborn. And both my kids have a staring problem. So Sandler's just in awe. He's really trying to figure out the whole family dynamic of this mother and her two kids or three kids. We can't tell. And I get a glimpse and I get a glimpse that's good enough to realize it's one of the fake baby. It's a baby doll that this kid's got in her hands. But I was quick to judge. I'm quick to judge this mother and her two kids because I'm like, what's going on there? First, I was judging her because she had a tank top on and it was freezing. I mean, it was about 40 degrees out. And I thought, how is she walking around the ice cold store in that outfit? And then I'm thinking, and how is that baby alive? Because this kid's just hanging it all around. So as we left the store, I had noticed Sandler couldn't take his eyes off this whole family dynamic. And I said, did you see that, Sandler? And he said, yes. And I said, was that one of those dolls you and Bootsy have been looking at and wanting to buy? And he said, I think so. I said, or was it a real baby? And he said, I don't think it was a real baby because they weren't holding it right. And I said, that's what I was thinking too. I go, didn't that make you uncomfortable? Like, didn't that look weird and make you a little uncomfortable? He said, yeah. I said, I think that's why you really need to think about what you want to buy from Amazon. You know, just to kind of, in my defense, I wanted to evade answering any more questions about procreation, where babies come from. No more sex ed. I'm, I'm done. I'm putting myself in this whole new realm of navigating how I'm going to teach him about curls. It's all, I've got, I've got some guy friends lined up who are willing to take some phone calls from him when we address it. You know, he was, he was shaving. He decided to shave himself. It looked like he about cut his whole upper lip off. We're in that part, that phase of, of sex ed. I don't want to get into the where where do babies come from. So I was so glad we had that moment of seeing this family, the, this mother and her two daughters and this fake baby doll. So fortunately, I think I evaded, at least for the time, and I hope it lasts for a few more years, the the question of where babies come from and that babies are a, a direct effect from having sex because I'm not comfortable with sex. As much as it was advised to me that I should just put it all out there and use my platform to discuss how beautiful sex is. Again, when you're raising two teenagers, especially two special needs teenagers who have trouble enough understanding almost every subject and topic, it's not, it takes on a whole different meaning. (laughs) And it's not something I'm comfortable with having to teach anybody. God, I'm not even comfortable with it myself. Please tune in next week for a less sexy episode all about pickleballing, pickleballers, and pickleball. Please like, follow, share, subscribe. You can find me at adultchicken.com as well as YouTube, Adult Chicken. You can also find me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Adult Chicken as well as Instagram, adult underscore chicken.